is White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Deep hooray! It is gone! It's a no-hitter! Carlos Rodon! What a performance! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Connor is off again this week. My name is Jesse Rogers with you on White Sox Weekly for the next hour. Good to be with you on this Saturday morning. Really wish I was coming to you from Glendale, where the White Sox will be training at some point in the near future. We know their minor leaguers are headed there. There's a story about that last night that broke. We'll talk about that shortly regarding vaccine mandates. Hopefully, the major leaguers will be reporting soon enough. A big day in New York today in this labor battle that's going on between the players and the league. They'll have a meeting. I believe the league will propose a new you know, uh, offer in several categories, and hopefully the union will respond, and we'll have a real negotiation that goes on, and maybe that'll lead to an agreement. you got to cross your fingers. It might be wishful thinking right now because the sides are far apart, but we are at an inflection point. We are, at, we are at an inflection point right now in terms of things starting on time. If you like the rhythm of the baseball season from spring training all the way through the World Series, well, here's our first moment in time where things might get messed up. And it's more likely than not that, yes, spring camps will be delayed. We're in a lockout. So until they lift that lockout, everything's on hold. And the only way they're going to lift that lockout is if – they come to an agreement on a new collective bargaining um, negotiation here. And again, today in New York, I think early afternoon is when they'll meet and they will try to hammer something out. Just make some progress. That would be nice, right? And I know you Sox fans want to see this get done as soon as possible. If you have a contending team like the White Sox, you don't want anything to mess their, their season up. And a late start to spring could do that. And, of course, a late start to the regular season could do that. Um, You want your players in camp and and going through the routines as soon as possible. Again, Connor is off today. My name, Jesse Rogers, 312-332-3776 is the phone number if you want to sound off a little bit here. 312-332-3776. If you want to talk about the labor situation, if you want to talk about what's on hold for the White Sox as they get closer to 2022, at some point here, There'll be an agreement. I think worst case scenario, we might miss a month of the regular season. That's worst case. Best case, um, we miss a week or two of spring training. And they're in Glendale by March 1st, and the regular season starts on time at the end of that month. That's the hope, at least. We'll talk to Jeff Passan, a colleague of me, a colleague of mine at ESPN. We'll talk to him at about 915 not just about the labor situation, but, but about this story he wrote last night regarding the White Sox being the first team to mandate COVID-19 booster shots for all minor league players. So now, not just the vaccine, you have to be properly boosted by around February 20th or 21st when the players re- report. And the White Sox are the first team to do that. And of course, as soon as that broke last night, Uh, My Twitter timeline exploded about people 
both commending the White Sox on that and also criticizing them on that. Just in, in two tweets here. Love this. Every team and job needs to enforce vaccine and boosters or else you're gone. The next tweet, so upsetting when a business makes a decision that's best for their business and doesn't consult the fans. Because of this, I won't be going to any Sox home games. Now, I'm not sure why the fan, a fan would, be, would need to be consulted about minor league players getting vaccinated or boosted. Um, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, but, and there's plenty of more on my timeline, both agreeing and disagreeing with the White Sox on this issue. Take the politics out of this, which is difficult to do. I'm for anything that keeps White Sox players healthy and on the field, because that can only help the organization in general. So I don't know how else you want to look at it, but from a pure baseball perspective, if they are 100% vaccinated and boosted, that means it's very unlikely guys are going to miss a lot of time. And that's a good thing. So that's kind of the way I look at it from a pure baseball perspective. 312-332-3776, the number. But that's kind of a secondary story compared to the labor situation going on. We'll talk to Jeff Passan at about 9.15 on this. So Rob Manfred, though, held a press conference earlier this week after the owners met in Orlando. And you may have heard it. Maybe you didn't. I think it's important to hear from the commissioner. He had not spoken publicly since the lockout began on December 2nd. So let's see where things stand as far as the commissioner is concerned. We'll start with his opening remarks. Here's Rob Manfred. Let let, let me start with the most important point. Um, The clubs, our owners fully understand um, how important it is to our fans that we get the game on the field as soon as possible. Um, We want to reach a fair agreement with the Players Association, and we want to do that quickly. Um, We have listened carefully throughout this negotiation, and we have moved towards the players on key areas in an effort to address their concerns. We've proposed an agreement that is better in every respect than the expired contract. For the first time in history, and despite substantial opposition by some clubs, we've agreed to institute a draft lottery to address the players' concern about clubs not competing. The players have said throughout the process that a key priority is getting young players paid more. We agree, and we actually share that goal. That's why we've proposed to increase pay to young players through significantly increased minimum salaries and by accepting the concept brought forward by the players of a bonus pool for the game's best young stars. Under our proposal on the table, every single pre-arbitration player would be better off than under the previous agreement. We've agreed to a universal designated hitter and the elimination of draft choice compensation. These changes will improve the free agent market by creating additional jobs that are often filled by veteran players and by reducing, actually eliminating, the drag from compensation. There's the crux of it all from the league side. They believe their offers have improved every level of player. Now, the devil's in the details because I think technically he's right. Technically, he's right. 
but has it improved it enough, enough to sign off on the next five years if you're the union? That's the question at hand. And it's something I'm going to address with Jeff Passon shortly. How, how far have they gone? And is the union being unfair? Or is the league being unfair? And I, had, I made an analogy about your kid getting an allowance last week. I'll bring up to Jeff as well. Is it enough? Is it enough? 312-332-3776, again, the number. Let's hear from Rob Manfred on spring training. Will it start on time? Look, um, the status of spring training is no change right now. Um, we're going to have a conversation um, with the MLBPA about the calendar. You know, we understand where the calendar is. But um, until we have that conversation and st- until we see how this um, session on Saturday goes, it's no change. And I think Rob Manfred wants to avoid making some big declaration and turning it into a huge headline. The league postpones spring training because they're locking out the players. I think he'd just like it to happen organically, if that makes sense. In other words, we're in a lockout. So, of course, spring training is not going to open because it's not going to open until the lockout is lifted. The lockout's not going to be lifted until they agree on a new collective bargaining agreement. So I don't think he's going to get up there today, tomorrow, or Monday and make some big declaration. We're just going to keep on going day by day here, and February 15th or 16th, you know, the day camps open, is just going to come and go, and it's just going to be, we're in a lockout. So, of course, spring camps aren't going to open. Um, I think he really wants to avoid that headline. Let's play one more about the clubs and, and where they will or won't move on negotiations. Where the clubs have been and remain unwilling to move is in response to player proposals that we believe will undermine the competitive balance in our game. For example, the players' insistence that we reduce revenue sharing will without question lead to less competition, not more. Changing the current agreement by taking resources from clubs with relatively limited revenue will make the game less competitive. And when you think about it, it's like asking people to take a pay cut. Lastly, on timing, um, we're doing everything we can to get a deal done for our fans. We'd hope that a federal mediator could provide some assistance to help the parties work through their differences and break the deadlock. Uh, We believe that the involvement of an impartial third party could help bridge some of the gaps and facilitate an agreement. The FMCS is there exactly for these types of labor disputes, and we thought it would be productive given the tightening calendar. While it's unfortunate that it was rejected, we remain committed to offering solutions and will once again offer the Players Association a proposal on Saturday in an effort to move the process forward. So that'll be this afternoon in New York. I think whatever proposal they, they offer up to the, to the union will not include anything about changing revenue sharing and will not include anything about changing years to arbitration. And those so far are two major sticking points for the union. So the question is, whatever tweaks they make to other parts of the game economically, will it be enough to satisfy the union or at least to start, at least start to satisfy the union? Or will the union say, no, you've got to change this revenue sharing system. You've got to change years to arbitration. 
And we can get in the weeds about some of this stuff if you want. I don't know if you want to. You just want to know when baseball is going to be played. Let's go to Gideon and Skokie. You're on ESPN 1000. Gideon? Hey, Jesse. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in the designated hitter part of this. I feel like there aren't enough power hitters to fill all the to fill the 30 designated hitter roles that there will be. So is the designated hitter just like a way to get an extra bat in the lineup like the White Sox the past few years unless you move like Jose Abreu or Eloy Jimenez into a permanent designated hitter position which I don't think either of them want to do or Yasmani Grandal which I don't think he wants to do um you're you're just like putting an extra player in the lineup that day and it's a rotating position is do you think that's more likely what it's going to be than a spot for the power hitter like a Frank Thomas or a David Ortiz? Well, I mean, the American League's had the designated hitter forever, so I don't think it's going to change much there. But your point is well taken. It has evolved a little bit. And I do think in the National League, where it's going to be there for the first time in in a full-time capacity, I think you might see more of a rotation. And you're right, not the, the classic DH, that slugger that can't run, can't field, can't do anything. We've seen that in the American League as well, a little bit of a rotation. But there are teams, like Nelson Cruz is going to be your DH if he's on your team, right? There are some teams where that's it. David Ortiz is going to be your DH or whatnot. So, yeah, those kind of players that physically really only have one role, that's all they'll do. But I, I, I think there has been an evolution at that position. But really, it shouldn't change much in the American League. I mean, the White Sox DHs, you know, they don't have the truest DH. It could end up being Sheets or Vaughn or something, although Vaughn played well in the outfield. Could be Abreu, could be Eloy eventually. Maybe that DH isn't on the team yet. Could be, you know, Kyle Schwarber if they signed him. So, um, yeah, right now the White Sox don't have a number one DH. It's his job all the way through. And we don't know if it is a rotation, what that's going to look like. But usually it's that slugger type that can't field as well though I do think it has evolved over the years. All right, 312-332-3776 is the number. If you have a question for uh, my next guest, one of the best in the business, colleague of mine over at ESPN, jump on right now. Jeff Passan joins me to break down this labor issue and his story from last night about the White Sox mandating vaccines or boosters for their minor league players. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports is the home of the White Sox. We're on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow us at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. off this week. Jesse Rogers with you till 10 o'clock here on White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Without further ado, let's go to my guest of the, the only guest of the show. He really could take up the whole hour if, if he had the time. We have the time. He may not have the time. He's the sports writer of the year. You can follow him at Jeff Passan, and it is my colleague at ESPN, Jeff Passan. What's up, pal? How you doing today? I am doing great, Jesse. How are you? Good, good. You're just back from Orlando where the owners met um, I hope you took a shower after covering, <laughs> covering that. <laughs> uh, a, very, I just, a very, a very long and yeah. steamy and soapy one. Yes. Yeah. I, I kid, I kid. Um, 
as uh, someone famous once said, there are good people on both sides. There are good people on both sides of this. And uh, you and I talked to a lot of the, you and I talked to a lot of the lieutenants that, that are handling these negotiations. And, and these are good people that want to get a deal done. And I, I'm going to give you two analogies and you tell me if, if, if they make sense. Cause I want people to try to understand this without going into the weeds. And it, it, it relates to ha- has the league done enough. And I mentioned this last week and I'm going to bring it up to you. It's, it's like my kid, came to me for the first time ever to ask for an allowance. And I said, sure. And I gave her a quarter. Now, technically, when she goes to school and, they, and her friends say, hey, did you get an allowance? Yes. But what does a quarter buy her, right? And I feel like mm-hmm. when the league says we've addressed all these things, the union is kind of saying, well, yeah, but you've given us a quarter. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'd say that's about right. And Look, when you look at the financial ramifications of the different things each side has proposed, it's it's objectively obvious that the union has put more on the table at this point. Um, You know, Major League Baseball has addressed some of the issues that the union are bringing up. They just haven't addressed them in ways that are satisfactory to the union. And at this point in the negotiations, that's not altogether surprising. You know, we're still not at that point, Jesse, where anything particularly substantive has been lost. Yes, spring training is not starting on time. I don't know why. Still, Rob Manfred is not addressing that publicly and saying so. But whatever, we, we, you know, we're in the truth-telling business, and that is the truth. It's supposed to start in the middle of next week. Uh, there's not going to be a deal done in time to get players into camp. But uh, we're, we're staring at the reality that spring training games are next. And while those are something that both sides are probably going to be willing to sacrifice too, we then get into the realm of regular season games, and that's where the movement really needs to start happening because if there's not a deal by you know, somewhere in the first week of March, Jesse, it's going to be really difficult to get these teams and these players out there on March 31st for opening day. Yeah, and, so, and for people that don't know, the, the, the couple big sticking points on the union side is, hey, we don't want to give revenue to these small market teams that don't put it back in payroll. So we want the Yankees to keep more of their revenue because we know teams like that will spend. So that, that's why they want to change some revenue sharing aspects. And then the other thing is they want to get players to arbitration after two years instead of three. I'm guessing today's proposal by the league won't address that. I'm guessing the union is not going to drop that. But will they eventually address it and or, and or will they eventually drop it when we get to a more urgent date? That's the question, I think, at hand, isn't it? Yeah, I think that right there and where the competitive balance tax ends up are probably the two most pertinent questions when it comes to games starting on time. Um, I I can't sit here and say definitively that the union's going to drop those things, right? Uh, The union came into this without a whole lot of leverage. And so if if you hold on to something for a period longer than, frankly, the other side wants you to, it's probably for leverage. And so I understand what the union is trying to do, but we're getting to the point now where if games are getting threatened and they're still standing on this, um, boy, there there is a chance that games are going to be missed 
Um, the, the revenue sharing issue is, is just so complicated. We, we have to understand um, this system came into effect essentially because of those teams like the Yankees that were spending exorbitant amounts of money, way, way more than other teams. And, uh, you know, this was Major League Baseball's solution for competitive balance. Well, it hasn't worked out all that great. They're still tanking. Um, I mean, the, the reality, Jesse, is this. If baseball and the players really, really, really wanted to address the issues of the game, they would blow up this entire system because it stinks, because there are flaws throughout it. But they don't have the time to do that now. Maybe that's a 2027 thing. Now the, the task at hand is to find a deal that both sides don't hate, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't think either side is going to walk away from this thinking um, we love this deal because that, that's what compromise is. That's what negotiation is. That it's getting to the point where even if you don't love something, you're comfortable with it. And uh, neither side right now is comfortable, but hopefully today sets them on the path toward that comfort. Yeah, well said. Visiting with Jeff Passan here on ESPN 1000. Um, I, yeah, it, I, it's just weird. I mean, like you can you can it, you can fix up your house as much as you want. The windows, put put up some pictures. But if the foundation isn't very good, eventually yeah. it's it's going to crumble. And you're so right about. And I, I think I said this last week. Like if you were starting from scratch and first ever CBA. At the end of the negotiation, it probably look a lot better for the players than it does today. But we're not starting from scratch. We're starting from right. the last CBA. And that's the sort of tug of war that's going on here, I feel like. Uh, I, we all agree that the, it's, the system is antiquated for the players, but how much can they win in one deal? And that's the question at hand. Well, let's, let's look at the things that they're trying to do. You know, you, you brought up the revenue sharing and you brought up the arbitration after two years. Um, those, those are unlikely gaps. But the other things they've addressed are getting players paid earlier. So um, what one would think that the, the league's going to come back with a higher minimum salary today. One would think that the league's going to come back with uh, a higher bonus pool for pre-arbitration players. Um, but the, the big issues uh, on top of that are service time manipulation and tanking. And these are things that have been addressed, service time manipulation. The, the league wants to give, uh, you know, a draft pick to teams that have a, you know, award-winning prospect on the team's roster for the entire season starting on opening day. Uh, the union wants players to be able, through their performance, to win back service time. So Chris Bryant, for example, would, because he won Rookie of the Year, would not have had that extra year with the Cubs. The, you know, he would have earned an extra day of service to give him that full year his first season. And the, the perspective is very simple. The, the league wants to do this by rewarding or incentivizing teams with draft picks. What the union wants is, is very simply to get the players their service. And it's understandable why the union wants to do that, because they want the best players in every class to get a full year of service that first season so they can be free agents after six years 
as opposed to seven. And that, that's one of the fundamental things here, Jesse. Uh, baseball is so backward that you have what's known as the six-year reserve period, which is a big league club gets you for six full seasons, and then you become a free agent. It's, it's like an underpinning of the collective bargaining agreement. The problem is that six years in reality is turned into seven through this manipulation right. that teams have done. And uh, manipulation, by the way, that's held up in arbitration cases and uh, back the the clubs on this. So it's not like what they're doing is illegal. It's just kind of amoral. And uh, the union is trying to remedy so many of those things. There are only so many battles that they're going to be able to win. It's so interesting. You bring up, you know, Chris Bryant's situation. I remember I, the date, he was eligible to come up. I made sure the night before I, I didn't have plans because I knew I was going to have to cover his call up. And lo and behold, yeah. at yeah. About seven o'clock, I got a call. Chris Bryant's coming up. That's how much we knew that was BS. And they still lost the grievance, even though we all knew. So these are things that need to be fixed. Hey, but um, we're short on time. I want to get to the, the White Sox vaccine thing, but I, we have to address the elephant in the room. And it's kind of the quiet part spoken out loud, but not really. And it goes back to the to the question to Manfred about baseball being a bad investment. That's not exactly what he said, but it's close enough. And this has been sort of years in the making. And is it is it a George Costanza thing? It's not a lie if you believe it. Or is there if they said if they said it so often that I don't know, maybe it's true. All I hear from small market owners is if my payroll's, you know, one dollar above X, I lose money. And X is not 250 million in their world. I mean, what is it about? This is not a cash-heavy day-to-day business. We don't have reserves. We don't, and nobody believes it. Yet they keep saying it. Uh, listen, if you tell a lie often enough, people are going to start <laughs> to believe it. Like that is very I George Costanza-like. Jesse, you know what the right answer would have been from Rob Manfred. The right answer would have been, I believe in the future of Major League Baseball. I think we have the greatest game in the world. I think we have the greatest players in the world. I think we have the greatest fans in the world. And if somebody wants to invest in that, I don't blame them. Because being a part of this sport is a joy, is a privilege, and is something everybody should want. That is all he had to say. And instead, he talked about investment bankers and and how baseball teams don't make as much money as the stock market. It's a perspective thing, right? Yeah, of course. That was a very simple question to answer uh, and and avoid the question of just how much money they're making. And instead, Major League Baseball's posture is that, uh, yeah, it's it's not that great of an investment, just like we're – uh, uh what, what was the word biblical losses losses yeah Tom Rickett said during uh COVID and mm-hmm. what is it Bill DeWitt said uh owning a baseball team isn't a, a very good investment I mean come on like you you can't publicly have that perspective you just can't because it plays horrendously right it, it's like a billionaire tweeting out man I can't believe I pay seven bucks for coffee at Starbucks there <laughs> or, or better yet let's say Starbucks was fifteen dollars you, you know you'd have some sympathy in, in general for anybody that ha- would have to but, but my point is even it was, if it, it is was, unfair it was, it was like, a billionaire like owner is not going to garner any sympathy even if it is unfair 
It was like the time Zach Granke told me that guacamole at Chipotle had gotten too expensive, so he stopped buying it. Oh, my God. <laughs> like... Oh, my God. I love that guy. Hey, before, before we let you go, running short on time, uh, great you know, story you broke last night uh, about the White Sox mandating COVID-19 booster shots for their minor league players. Uh, what's interesting is right now they're the only team. Um, I'm not sure if other teams are going to do it, but I, I, I think it's almost like a natural. I, I talked to some executives last year that were frustrated. They couldn't really tell their major league players what to do, but they were more than happy to tell their non 40 man guys what to do. So I'm, I'm almost a little surprised we haven't seen other teams sort of mandate this. Do you think this is going to be a big deal? It doesn't seem like a big deal because um, like you said, they had a hundred percent vaccination last year among their minor leaguers. I don't know that it's going to be a big deal, Jesse, inside the White Sox organization. Um, I do think it's going to be a bigger deal around the sport. Okay. I think, I think the climate of the world right now, um, and in the United States, frankly, baseball is not immune to that. Baseball is a sport, in fact, where if you look at the political leanings of the vast majority of people involved, uh, they cast aspersions on mandatory vaccinations. And there are a lot of people right now who are angry about that. And uh, it's, you know, it it runs throughout the sport. So I I think this is, I'm not going to say this is like the tip of the iceberg, but I think this is the beginning uh, of people starting to be more vocal about it publicly. And and I'm genuinely curious to see how Major League Baseball handles it with, a lot of institutions around the country, frankly, changing their, their policy on COVID right now and loosening things up a little bit. And, and last thing on this point, you report that the White Sox will not grant releases to those that refuse to take the booster or the vaccine. Um, and, 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 of course, they can't participate. So are they just in limbo at that point? They're just sitting at home? Uh, they're, they, yeah, they might. They put them on the, strict, on the restricted list and uh, – they're, they're out for the year, I guess, or out until the, the White Sox change their policy. Uh, yeah, I, I have a tough time seeing any prospects of, of great note or substance uh, have to, sit, or not have to, but sit out uh, of their own volition. But, hey, th- there are a lot of people uh, who are looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, is this what I believe in, and am I going to sacrifice my principles for a game, for a team, for, for somebody else's idea of what's right. And um, uh, if it's not with the White Sox, it will be somewhere else. Someone's going to say no. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the time. Last thing to wrap up the, the, the labor talk. I, I think you and I are in agreement. It's not going to be a game-changing proposal today, but anything that sort of moves it in the right direction is not a bad thing. We're just not at that inflection point just yet. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a big day today, and the to me the the biggest thing is is not necessarily the substance of the proposal, Jesse. It's the union's reaction to it, mm-hmm. and is the union going to see this as something that uh, that they can work with, or is it going to be something that uh, it takes an angry angry bunch of players and makes them even more militant? Jeff, thanks, man. I really appreciate the time. I know you've been traveling and and, and pretty busy with with a lot of this stuff, so. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon. Pleasure's always mine, pal. Take it easy. You got it. That's Jeff Passon from ESPN.com. And, of course, uh, you can see him on SportsCenter all the time 
reporting on this stuff. He was down in Orlando, and he and I have been covering um, the labor stuff uh, for ESPN since the beginning here. 312-332-3776 if you want to react to anything um, you heard from him or our conversation. Again, 312-332-3776. This is White Sox Weekly, and um, if you want to get into some White Sox issues, the, the vaccine story, feel free to jump on as well. Jesse Rogers sitting in for Connor McKnight. Back in a moment on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Listen to Chicago's home for sports on the ESPN Chicago app, 100.3 HD2 and ESPN 1000. Now on the home of the White Sox, here's Connor McKnight. Connor is off. He'll be back next week with White Sox Weekly. Maybe, possibly, we'll be talking about pitchers and catchers reporting to Glendale. That would be nice. White Sox with a contending team. You don't want this to be a repeat of 1994. Had a great, great team, and the players went on strike in August. World Series was canceled, and they missed games in 1995 as well. So there is a blueprint where you miss games because of a work stoppage. It is possible here. I think I said at the top of the show or maybe on the radio yesterday, I I think worst case scenario is a month. I think best case scenario is a shortened spring training. But the the answer might be somewhere in the middle, maybe missing a couple weeks. It's really hard to tell. And the reason it's hard to tell is because no matter what you hear from either side right now, it can change when we get to a certain date. It can change for the players just based on the dates, meaning when paychecks start to come. People don't know. Players don't get paid in the offseason. They get paid starting March 31st when the regular season begins. So as we get closer to that date, will their demands change? Will the owners get nervous that there's, there's monumental harm being done to the game? And will their demands change? So while they talk, I don't want to say tough, but that's you know basically what they're doing. Where they where they talk and are dug in on their on their own sides right now, that could change. So that's why you have to sort of guess and put caveats on 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 what you think here because you feel like this side is really dug in, but we know when push comes to shove, that could change. Three one two three three two three seven seven six is the number. Hopefully, things will start to change today as the sides meet in New York. Sox fans. Single-game tickets are on sale now. Be here for it all. And watch us continue to change the game in 2022. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. Let's go to Paulie in Glenville. Glenview. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Paulie? Hey, Josh. Like your show, and thanks for putting me on. Sure. What's on, what's on I, your mind? I didn't, call for the, I didn't call for this reason. I'll make this brief. Just so everybody's aware... Any corporation, any free walk-in clinic to get a COVID shot, they are incentivized by the government to give you that shot because they get a nice big fat check per person to give you that shot, just so everybody knows that. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but okay. (laughs) Go ahead. uh, You're going to see half these COVID test companies are going out of business, and none of them ever even sent in your results. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk sports. Yeah, let's not. Let's talk sports. I'm a negotiator for a living. My brother's an agent, okay? So 
the key to negotiating is knowing which guy can walk on the deal. Right now, I see it as though the owners can walk. They're fully insured for every game. Jess, I haven't heard you talk about this, but please look into this. The real holdup is the owners don't want to give the players any of the revenue from gambling. Gambling is the holy grail. Okay? So they don't want to give any of it to the players. And that's been silently talked about because it's impossible to predict what kind of revenue they're going to get from that. And the owners don't want to be tied in with the players on that. I go. I mean, you've called Arizona. Any hotels open down there around Cubs Park? Any hotels open? Any hotels booked in the next two months? None of them that I've called. This is going to go on for a long time, Jess, and the owners don't care. They're going to bring the players to their knees. I love when Verlander and these guys making $50 million a year say we're united. I wonder if the $400,000 guy is united when he misses his first three checks. Those are some good points, and you're right. That is the big question. Are, are they all united? You know, it, it applies to the owners as well, the big market versus small market. But I think the commissioner and that group can, can sort of work things out a little bit easier when there's only 30 of them, where there's 1,200 on 40-man rosters at much different levels. I mean, look, there's richer billionaires than other billionaires, but they're all billionaires, whereas you're right. Guys making the minimum are not, you know, millionaires. Um, and there's a lot of those guys, and then there's a, a, a few that are at the top, and there's a big difference among the players. So far, so far, they are united. Could that change in April or May? You're right. And I don't think you're wrong in, in, in just in a straight assessment who can kind of hold out longer. It's the billionaire, billionaire owners. I mean, I don't think that's wrong, but they could really do a huge you know, detriment to their product long term. And they're in it for the long haul when you when you when when you own a baseball team. So that's all part of it as well. Three one two three three two three seven seven six is the number. I just don't know if you want to get into a game of chicken as we go into March and April and May. That is a scary proposition for both sides, but you're not wrong. Probably scarier for the players. If you want to be close to the action this season, look no further than the Wintrust Scout seats. Enjoy unparalleled, unparalleled views directly behind home plate, plus exclusive access to our newly designed luxury club experience with all-inclusive food and beverage. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. 312-332-3776. Again, the phone number if you want to jump on. Last few minutes of White Sox Weekly as we try to Figure out this labor issue. Big meeting today in New York a little bit after uh, noon, about 1 o'clock actually, Eastern time, noon around here. And uh, we'll see if there's some progress towards a deal, which would end the lockout, which would start spring training. Back in a moment on ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White, White Sox, Sox Weekly. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. All right, we're going to start to wrap up White Sox Weekly here, but we have a few minutes for your phone calls if you want to jump on. 312 332 Three seven seven six. I promise, I promise at some point in the near future, we'll get back to on the field topics. It's just hard to 
it's just weird to talk about like what the White Sox are going to do at DH when there's this elephant in the room about labor. I mean, really worst case scenario is the players are dug in, the league, the league won't give in on, on some points, and we are stuck here six months from now. I mean, that would be devastating. But think about 1994 as that, if you can remember back then, as that season was going along without a new collective bargaining agreement, I don't know if you, know, you really thought that doomsday scenario was going to happen where players would go on strike, things could not be settled within days or weeks, and they'd have to cancel the World Series, cancel spring training the next year, and, and, and we missed games in 1995 as well. Like, who thought that could happen? And yet it did. So I'm trying to, to, to believe the worst-case scenario is missing the month of April. I'm hoping that's the, the worst-case scenario. And I'm hoping the best-case scenario is these two weeks in February are the sacrificial lamb. Right, because you can start spring training in March and still start the regular season on April one, March thirty first, and, and have a full one sixty two. Hopefully, have you know healthy players. The, the shortened spring training won't be a detriment to arms as long as you get in there by March first. So, let's let's feel like okay, the next two weeks aren't that big of a deal, right? Most of you don't go to spring training in early to mid February anyway. You go when games start. Games start on February 26th. Maybe they miss a week or so of games. But get in there by March. And let's get going in Glendale. Let's get the season going. And new this season for the White Sox, sweet flex packs. They are the perfect combination of luxury and flexibility. With four packs to choose from, you can completely customize your season in a diamond suite. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. So Jeff agreed with my analogy, my, my allowance analogy. I think an even better visual is the idea of, again, fixing up a house, right? The foundation isn't great. It's livable, but isn't great. Yet you can do a lot of work on the windows and the roof a little bit and the basement. You can really fix up your house in seven or eight different areas. And that is what I think the league has done. They've, they've tried to address the union's concerns in, in a sort of ancillary way in seven or eight different areas, but not the foundational stuff. Not the foundational stuff. So the question is, will the union accept the fixer, fixing up of all this other stuff and maybe get to the foundation next time around? Or are they going to hold out and say, no, you better fix this foundation because we can't survive without it. We can't thrive, I guess, without it. And that's the question at hand. But I, I, I do think, knowing some of the league's offers and stuff, that they're, 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 they're moving a little bit in the players' directions every time. But will it be enough at the end of the day? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer. Are they throwing just quarters and nickels at them and saying, here, this is, this, is a, this is an allowance you never had before, so stop asking for five bucks. We'll give you 50 cents. Maybe next CBA we'll give you a dollar. And that's what's going on right now. And I don't, I don't know what the answer to the union is. Like, what, what will be enough? And I'm not saying they're greedy at all. Um, like I said before, if you were creating this from scratch, first ever CBA, it would look a lot better for the players. But we are starting 
with the old CBA and decades of negotiations. Why would the owners rip that up and start from scratch? They're not required to as, as much as it, it would be nice. 312-332-3776. Uh, final few moments here of White Sox Weekly. Entertain your groups in the CIBC Fan Box, the only luxury suite on the main concourse. Enjoy customizable food and beverage options in 2022. Visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000 for more information. Tyler, let's bring you on because let's just confirm for the listening audience, Connor will be back next week. This isn't like a, a two-month honeymoon, right? He's got, he's got spring training, well, maybe spring training duties, but we'll, we'll call it he's got February White Sox weekly duties. As far I as I know, yeah, as far as I know, Connor McKnight will be back next week. But be ready in the bullpen in case maybe he, he wants to extend the honeymoon a little bit. You never know. Right. He got married last weekend. He's on the honeymoon this weekend. I want to say congratulations to Connor. Does such a great job with the pre and post game and on White Sox Weekly here. I love sitting in, sitting in for him, but it'll be better when he's back and we're both out in Glendale talking White Sox on the field. And there are still some question marks. We were talking about the DH earlier. Who is going to be their DH? Who is going to be part of that rotation if it is a rotation? Do they send Eloy in there a little bit, Jose in there a little bit, Gavin in there a little bit, Andrew in there a little bit? Is a a more full-time DH not even on this team yet? If you've heard me once on this radio station, you've heard me a thousand times say, I think the Sox are still short a left-handed bat. I thought it last year. I thought it the year before a little bit, or was proven out the year before a little bit, than I thought it last year. It showed up at a big time in the playoffs, which is where usually you, your your strengths and weaknesses you know get exposed or whatever. Obviously, more you know weaknesses get exposed, but your strengths show up in the playoffs. And, and, and in the Astros' case, what they did on the mound, righty on righty, showed up, and the, and the White Sox didn't have enough dangerous left-handed hitters. Maybe Gavin Sheets will take that step to become that guy, or maybe that left-handed threat isn't on the team right now so these are all questions uh heading into spring training remember there's going to be a frenzy of activity a frenzy of free agent activity and maybe some trades as soon as they figure this out hopefully that will be sooner rather than later i want to thank everybody for listening for calling appreciate the time hope you enjoyed the conversation with jeff passant and let us cross our fingers that something positive happens today in New York between the sides. Jesse Rogers, thanking you for listening. Thanks to Tyler for producing. Connor will be back next week on White Sox Weekly right here on ESPN 1000.